The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. So, Elliot, I've been watching the latest trailer for The Last Jedi, and and I, I just, I'm, I'm wondering, are, are Porgs the new Ewoks? Nah, they're the new white meat. Porgs, it's what's for dinner. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. Geek Counter Geek with Chief Conrad and Elliot Serrano. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. I'd just like to say, get a life. Yeah, I bought you a mutt, and I ate him. <gasps> I ate his little face. I ate his guts. And I ate the way he's always barking. So I gave him to the church. Oh, I see. You hate him, so you gave him to the church. Aye. I also ate the mess he left on my rug. You heard me? Geek Counter Geek number 102. I'm Keith Conrad, at Keith R. Conrad on Twitter. Joined, as always, by my BFF, uh, Elliot Serrano. Elliot, at Elliot Serrano on Twitter. Elliot, uh, you know, I, th- I think uh, it's safe to say that uh, everyone has uh, theories about uh, The Last Jedi now that the trailer has, has hit. Yeah, um, there, I, I saw plenty of I saw plenty of that. I also saw a bunch of folks said that they were fairly underwhelmed by the trailer because uh, it didn't really give a whole lot away, although it did insinuate certain things. Um, you know, for those who haven't seen the trailer, um, it's not too spoilery, but it, it plays with the expectations that people have about this movie. And one of the expectations being, um, how is this film going to resolve the issue of, uh, Carrie Fisher dying? So mm-hmm. what's Leia's fate? And, you know, but but then, then you had other folks who said, oh, it didn't really tell us anything or da, da, da. And then the theories came out. And I was like, you know, hey, at this point, I am willing to go into The Last Jedi not knowing anything because, um, you know, we it, it just got so overdone with The Force Awakens, if you ask me. Well, it did and it didn't because, you know, I think right up to the end, all the all the promos and all the trailers and everything... If you had just been looking at that, I, I think you would have believed that Finn was going to be like the the heir apparent to uh, you know the the, the Jedi, you know that that he was going to be the the new Jedi in training. Oh yeah, and I, I that was like they were pushing that so hard, I could tell that was a red herring. I mean, I I knew I I kind of knew myself because yeah. if you read the Star Wars, the annotated screenplays. Uh, one of the things it meant talks about is the um, subsequent sequel trilogy that uh, Lucas had sketched out that would have come after Return of the Jedi. You know, this is what, you know, again, a thing that uh, Luke Lucas had, you know, said time and again. He was he had a sequel trilogy in mind. The only one who was although the only one who was supposed to be returning at that point was going to be um, Luke Skywalker. Who is gonna, you know, kind of like hand off the 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 baton, you know, or lightsaber, so to speak, to the next generation? But but the thing was, um, we knew that the Jedi in that sequel trilogy was going to be a woman. 
So I was like, oh yeah, oh, it looks like they're following, you know, that treatment, you know. So folks who who had read that would know that that was coming. Um, and yeah, you can't, you know, the Daisy Ridley character. I mean, you look at her character and all the designs. She looks like Luke. Yeah, you know, it's like the same costume and everything. Well, and, like, and, ah, and here's yeah. the thing, you know, when when I look at the at the the latest trailer for uh, the Last Jedi. Um, you know, I'm I'm kind of kind of looking for that red herring, like uh, you know, like like Finn being the 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 next Jedi and and everything, and I I think that scene where you know it it hints that um, that uh, Kylo Ren and 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 Rey are joining forces, I I don't think that's going to happen, or at the very least, it's not going to happen in that way. Oh yeah, now you you don't give away something that big in the trailer. Um, you, you sure don't do that. Yeah. I suspect that he's uh, that Kylo Ren is reaching out to someone unexpected, but I don't think it's Ray. No, and um, and, uh, Ryan Johnson, the director of of uh, the Last Jedi, has said that even before he started the movie, when he sat down and he wrote it, um, at the very beginning, he he told the Lucasfilm folks, he even told the PR folks, look. This is how we're going to promote the movie, and these are the things that we can talk about, and even these are the things we can show, but there are other things. Apparently, there are huge things that are going to happen in this movie that um, he did not want to give away in any way, shape, or form in, in the, in the, um, in the run-up to the film. And I'm just, again, Mark Hamill has said time and again that he just – he. In the beginning, he just did not like what was happening with Luke. Like when he heard the direction that Ryan Johnson wanted to go with Luke's character, he goes, it was complete. It was contrary to everything he'd ever said that he'd ever thought in his own mind about the character. And then, you know, it kind of like as it went, then he saw, okay, this is what he's trying to do. And he finally got him on board. You know, so it, I, I don't know. There is something's, something's going to go. Something's going to happen. Yeah, I, I think I, you know, I'm, I'm not obviously not sure of the details, but I think that uh, especially because of the the poster conspiracy theory that that was making the rounds on on the the internets, and uh, for for the uninitiated, apparently the villain is always in the back lurking in the uh, posters, and if that uh, if that trend continues, Luke would be the villain in this movie. I, I think at most we'd uh, we'd we'd end, may, you know, maybe go through the story and maybe even end it with uh it appearing that he's the bad guy in the story but that you know ultimately that won't end up being the case who knows i mean or it could you know some folks will say it's uh that it's now it's um the skywalker you know whoever or yeah i, I yeah th- th- there's so many theories right now i was like I'm, I'm even like shutting my brain off about that i don't want to think about it anymore i just want to go into the movie and be surprised by it and enjoy it and you know, I'm just happy as long as they don't kill Luke. You know? <laughs> yeah, because as as we've both talked about, you know, the old guy doesn't always have to die. It's okay. They can just, yeah. you know, the the story could just end with them being alive and walking off into the sunset, perfectly fine. They don't have to die. Right. Because uh, even um, again, when Mark Hamill finished his work, um, I guess when he was at um, at this. Uh, 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 Pinewood Studios, I think that's what it's called. And he's when he finally wrapped his bit, he goes, 
and I'm done and I'm done with Star Wars or something to that effect. You know, like he wasn't going to be, you know, they say that's it for him. Although he said the same thing about The Force Awakens. So, you know, eh, we'll see. Well, you know, he probably just meant I'm done with Star Wars for today. Now I'm going to go voice the Joker again. <laughs> which which actually he did go and do. And he said he uh, that was it. He thought he'd retired the Joker, too, until they called him back. Just when so. he thinks he's out, they pull him back in. You know, well, hey, as long as there's a paycheck, right? Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, we're we're eight weeks away. Um, uh, I th- I think we can. I, I'm with you. I I uh, I really don't need to see any more or know any more about what the story would be going into it. I'm I'm fine going in uh, cold from this point on, and um, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens with uh, with Luke. I um, I I will say that I really don't see. Uh, Ray turning to the dark side, and, and we'll see if uh, if I'm right about this. Simply because, you know, it, it is Disney at the end of the day, and um, I, I don't think I could picture Disney introducing a a strong uh, female character that everybody seems to like, and then having her turn evil. Well, you know, you do have your those those evil queens that everyone seems to like, and maybe instead of a Disney princess, she can be like the next Maleficent or or Cruella. Uh, that that is, you know, yeah, it, that is entirely possible. Uh, I don't think it's likely, but but it is possible. <laughs> well, you never know. And uh, Elliot, I have not uh, yet seen Blade Runner twenty forty nine, but the reviews seem to be uh, just uh, just excellent. And uh, it is my understanding, because you told me that that you have <laughs> seen it. I did go and see it. I saw it in three D, which. Oh, wow. uh, didn't really need to. As Philip K. Dick uh, intended it. Yeah, really. Um, I Yeah, I, I went and I saw it, and uh, if you liked the first Blade Runner, okay, here's the thing. If you, if you liked the first one, namely the director's cut or the quote-unquote um, final cut, um, th- these are the two, the versions that don't have the Harrison Ford narration. Okay. Because when you look at the, the, the director's cut and the quote unquote final cut, um, they, the, there it's a, the movie itself is just one big long tone poem. You know, it's all about atmosphere. It's spinner cars riding, you know, flying through the air and going from one place to another and taking in all the sights of, of the dystopian future that is Los Angeles in 2019, right? In the in the far off distant future of 2019. 2019, yeah. So uh, when you see Blade Runner 2049, it pretty much picks up that way, and it's it it's you know it feels like an expansion of the original film. In fact, I'll tell you, if you didn't see the first Blade Runner, you don't need to see you don't need to see it to enjoy 2049. Will you get more from it? Yeah. But uh, I think Blade Runner 2049 does enough to kind of fill in the narrative where it it hints at events from the first film and then just carries on from there. Because really the movie is about um, Ryan Gosling's character, the um, Blade Runner known as Officer K, and and his quest in finding a quote-unquote secret from the past. Um, Ryan Gosling himself is really, he's pretty good in this one. 
Although uh, I, the whole time I was watching this, I kept thinking about his character from the movie Drive. Um, I figured you were going to say you were thinking about his character from The Notebook. <laughs> no, The Notebook was yeah too emo. Uh, but in Drive, it's if you see the movie Drive, like for the first half hour or whatever of the film, he has very little dialogue. In fact, he doesn't say much of anything for a bit. And his character is is very, you know, very straight, very monotone. You know, people have even said, you know, robotic, quote unquote, robotic, which is why he was perfect for this role. <laughs> um, and, and no, no spoilers kept, there. Yeah, really. No spoilers. You, you learn in the first uh, like the first five minutes of Blade Runner 2049 that that Ryan Gosling is, in fact, a replicant and he knows he's a replicant. Um, there's no, um, there's no, um, um, ambiguity about that. So, you know, I kept see- seeing echoes of that performance in Blade Runner 2049. I thought he was very good. There is way more action in this particular film than there was in the original Blade Runner. Um, and the performances for the most part are pretty good, except for one scene with Ryan Gosling and Robin Wright where I was there going, dude, I, you know, um, uh, De, De, Denis Villeneuve, that <laughs> scene, you, yeah, you could have left that scene on the cutting room floor. We didn't need it. It didn't do anything to advance the story. It was actually the most poorly acted scene, the scene, you know, the one scene between. It seemed like they were going, oh, we've got Robin Wright in this movie. We need to give her more scenes. That's what it felt like. And, oh, my God, how many spinner car scenes did we really need? I mean, the spinner cars are cool. But after a while, just shot after shot after shot of the spinner cars flying over this, flying over that, flying over that. Reminded me of two things. The chase scene in Attack of the Clones? Well, actually, it reminded me of all the scenes of shuttles taking off and landing in every Star Wars movie, including the special editions. Because the special editions, Lucas just kept adding ship taking off, ship landing, ship taking off, ship landing over and over and over again. And you're like, seriously? Do we really need to see all this? You know, that was the one. And, of course, Star Trek The Motion Picture, where director Robert Wise fell in love with all those tracking shots of the, uh, of the Enterprise, you know? And they keep showing it over and over again, which just slowed the movie down. It just there was what, like, like ten minutes of just the the shuttlecraft flying around the ship. <laughs> exactly, and it's the same thing in Blade Runner. It's all spinner car flying over city, spinner car flying there, spinner car flying there. I'm like, serious? We don't. We know they're going somewhere. We don't need to see all this. You're slowing the movie down. I mean, yeah, we get it. It's dystopian. It's gloomy. It's gritty. It's du- it's dank. That's the word, right? It's the word the kids use. I, I think it is, yes. Yeah. So after a while, it just gets a little bit uh, self-indulgent. And I mean, at one point, when when you finally get to the third act, and and here's the this movie kind of reminded me a bit of of a uh, Lord of uh, the 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 Return of the King, you know, the last of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, mm-hmm. where it's like false ending after false ending after false ending. I'm like, going, when when are we getting to the end of this movie? Wait, are we ending that? Oh no, are we ending that? Oh no, <laughs> no, they're are back. We that? No, I'm like, what? So it didn't help that I really had to go to the bathroom at that point. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That that. I mean, after what was it like three and a half hours? 
everybody had to go to the bathroom at that point. I oh, think really? that, that's why everybody noticed all the false endings because right. after after watching that whole thing, everybody had to go to the bathroom. I said, come on. So, but okay. So even despite all that, um, I thought it was very good. I did enjoy the film for the first. 45 minutes I thought this movie is brilliant and wow this is an incredible film and then it started slowing down in the middle and then there's this bit with the agent K with the agent K look at that um, with the officer K his character and this artificial intelligence that he has as a companion which just reminded me of uh, that uh, Spike Jones movie her uh, with the uh, Joaquin Phoenix mm-hmm you know, where he falls in love with his AI. And um, it was like, it's almost pretty much the exact same thing. And there was another, there was a scene in there which was like, dude, we all, you know, someone should have told via news. Um, we've seen this part of the movie already. They did this in her. You know, they, Joaquin Phoenix did this already in that other movie about artificial intelligences and stuff like that. So someone should have said, dude, that's been done. Uh, maybe okay if you want to do that do it your way but we don't need such a long scene as it as it, it turned out to happen in the film so as they're going okay all right, all right okay yeah we saw this but okay can we stop enough already and then if, if you trim out a good 15 20 minutes and that's just spinner car scenes <laughs> <laughs> you know and that bit from you know that I that I referenced you know where it's and that and that Robin Wright scene, um, boom! You have a good tight, uh, let's say the movie's at least two and a half hours, and it move the the story moves along much better, and um, and you get to the point where you really you keep caring about the characters, and then then it's over. Oh yeah, and Harrison Ford is really good in it too. Uh... It, and he doesn't narrate the thing, right? No, he does not narrate. But yes, he he doesn't appear till near the end of the movie. I mean, he's not there until the third act. Oh, really? And then, yeah, and then things start happening from there. And um, and just like Harrison Ford did with um, Han Solo in The Force Awakens, where it was probably his best Han Solo, um, he was really good in this one as Deckard, and he was able to bring another sort of um dimension to that character you know very world weary kind of thing and and when you consider that that deckard is sort of you know it's it's harrison ford doing sam spade mm -hmm. just like you know humphrey bogart in the maltese falcon in a way you know you could see this a much older worn down kind of like the world has beaten him down and he's he's pretty much given up that's like Sam Spade, you know, like if Humphrey Bogart had done Sam Spade 40 years after the Maltese Falcon. He really would have been uh, beaten up by then. Oh, yeah, way beaten up. And, and I'm telling you, there's some tight shots of Harrison Ford's face. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, he, he looks beat up. <laughs> well, he's been through a couple of plane crashes. Give the guy a break. Yeah. yeah. So, and he still can't run. I'm telling you, I'm thinking about. I'm already thinking about Indy Five, and I'm like, he he, he cannot have any running scenes because he cannot run to save his life right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, they haven't started filming that yet, so yeah, uh, that, so we'll he has see. some time to to. Well, you know, at this point, at his age, it's probably not healing. It's probably yeah. He's he's got that bow legged run no matter what he does now. 
So, um, and so final review out of uh, out, if if you give me four stars, um, I give uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine a solid three stars. It could have been a three and a half or four star movie had they tightened it up a lot. So uh, get rid of a couple of chase scenes and, and you're good to go. Yeah, and you're good. Well, not even chase scenes. More like just flying over stuff scenes. <laughs> you know? uh, by the way, uh, uh, Ryan Gosling, I think his next movie is uh, the Neil Armstrong movie, uh, First Man, which I'm uh, definitely looking forward to. That's That comes out next year. Uh, yeah, well, I know what Neil Armstrong looks like. He looks nothing like Ryan Gosling. That's my true. Jim Lovell, uh, my Jim Lovell looked nothing like Tom Hanks, too. So <laughs> Right. Uh, G- Jim Lovell wanted uh, Kevin Costner to play uh, to play him in the movie. And you know what? Jim Lovell's kind of right. that they, they do look more alike than, than him and Tom Hanks. But Tom Hanks pulled it off nonetheless. I was going to say, now Kevin Costner looks a lot more like Jim Lovell these days. It, he, he really does. And you know, one thing that uh, Jim Lovell would have wished that he had uh, while he was flying around the moon twice without getting to land, uh, headphones and accessories from Tweaked Audio. Oh, yeah. Well, mind you, when uh, when he was flying around the world and, and, and all that, he, he didn't have the same type of technology that Tweaked Audio offers now. He didn't have access to all the different colors and styles that Tweaked Audio offers. I mean, just go to tweakedaudio.com and you can see different colors, different styles, earbuds, headphones, both wired and wireless, both mic'd and non-mic'd. So any kind of of earbud that you're looking for, if you just want a a co-op game, if you want to just talk on your phone, if if you're a runner, you're an athlete, and you need something to hook into your MP3 player or your phone, uh, Tweaked Audio offers all the styles and accessories that you need. And a great thing is that um, on all different price ranges, too. And if you go to tweakedaudio.com and at the checkout, you enter the code GCG for Geek Counter Geek, you're going to get 33% off and free worldwide shipping. So again, tweakedaudio.com. Check out the different styles and accessories that they offer and enter the code GCG at checkout. You'll get 33% off. And did I say free worldwide shipping? I believe he did. Free worldwide shipping. So and you'll uh, get that. Since Jim Lovell never got to walk on the moon, he the worldwide shipping that that does work for him. I, I if you wanted to send it to the moon, I don't believe that would work. But no, I don't, it's not system wide; it's worldwide. And uh, using your new headphones from uh, from Tweaked Audio, you can listen to the Caffeinated Comics podcast on uh, Radio Misfits, where they actually do a deep dive into Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So you know if. Uh, if you want to want to go in a little bit deeper into uh, into the sequel to Blade Runner, uh, they're your they're your guys. They got you covered. Yeah, uh, I was invited. I was invited to be on that podcast, but I couldn't make it. So I was like, guys, you you guys have got it covered. And uh, also, if you're looking to drown your sorrows as the Cubs uh, look to uh, avoid getting swept in the National League Championship Series, uh, Dan McNeil is talking uh, Cubs actually with uh, with. Uh, my uh, former colleague Ben Finfer. Oh, Finfer, Finji. Oh, cool. No, that'd be great. And uh, you've also got the Minutia Men and, of course, the Dishing Bitches. The Dishing Bitches, who, I'll announce it now, we have set up a day 
to record our crossover episode. So it's coming, folks. It's coming. It's coming. I can't wait. Um, we'll, uh, it, it, this will either go really well or be a total disaster. Won't it be exciting <laughs> to find out which it is? I already have my suspicions. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, okay, everyone's gonna it's gonna be like it's gonna be like the most awkward date ever. You know, it's gonna be like one of those. Oh, oh I've had my share of those. <laughs> <laughs> so but nah, that, it'll be fun. Those gals are great. You know, I know I know them. They're they're great gals and they're they're very geeky too. So they 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 are very uh, thrilled uh, to have us on 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 board. So that, this is gonna be fun. Uh, I I think it will be now. Uh, we've uh, we've both been uh, watching uh, various sci-fi shows. I mean, obviously, we spent uh, quite a bit of time talking about uh, Discovery. Have you uh, have you caught up on uh, Discovery at this point? I think we're on episode five. I've I've yet to see episode five, but I'm caught up through four. I am completely caught up on the Orville, though. That yep. one I want to say is up to four episodes as well. Yeah, I I believe uh, well the last one I saw was was episode four and um, yeah. I you know I I gotta say I'm not that wild about it. Uh, this is it's a funny thing. Um, of course, when you talk about the Orville and Star Trek Discovery, two shows that um, are trying to appeal to the same fan base with somewhat similar themes in a way. I mean, kind of similar. Um. It harkens me back to that time when you had two other similar shows uh, hit the airwaves, uh, and it was a uh, studio uh, studio sixty on the Sunset Strip by uh, Aaron Sorkin, where right. it was a show about you know re- getting a bunch of his old West Wing uh, crew together to do a show about a late night sh- a late night variety, you know late night comedy show, and uh, Thirty Rock. Which was Tina Fey's comedy, and of course America this. embraced the one that had the shorter title. <laughs> You're right. Well, I think the problem with Studio 60 was that it just wasn't that funny. I remember watching Studio 60, wanting to love it, wanting to, to be, and and I remember that it was just such it the the, the show took itself so seriously. Well, I, it it actually. You know, I, I think a valid comparison is is one of the other uh, Aaron Sorkin shows, uh, Sports Night. Except, like the 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 characters on Sports Night, a, at least to me, the the characters were just funnier. And it wasn't a matter of like it trying to be a comedy. It's just that within the story, the the characters were just funnier and more likable. Oh, definitely. And and it's not like Aaron Sorkin can't do comedy. He's done comedy. I, he did some fairly funny episodes of the newsroom. I remember a couple of those. I remember, of course, uh, Charlie Wilson's war is, is, is a hilarious film. But by, by the way, my, uh, my favorite moment in, uh, in the newsroom, I, I think it was even in the first episode where, uh, like they've just wrapped up the show and, uh, Will McAvoy, like he, he was like yelling at all the people behind the scenes or something like that. And he pokes his head in the door and he goes, you know, I just wanted to say you guys are the most valuable people here. We couldn't do the show without you. And his producer says, this isn't our crew. <laughs> yeah, because that showed how, how separated Will McAvoy was from everyone. So, so you see, you know, when you 
you have and then 30 rock it was a completely different take didn't take things as seriously and it took it's it took a while for it to find itself you know whereas i don't think studio 60 ever really found itself and it really never got a chance it got canceled after two seasons um 30 oh, it lasted rock two seasons i didn't realize that yeah it was two 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 very quick seasons um, and then um, um, uh, 30 Rock got a chance to find itself and kept going because you had Lorne Michaels producing it. And, you know, pretty much everything Lorne Michaels creates for TV goes on forever at NBC. Yeah, I, I don't um, think it would have mattered what the ratings were for that. That thing was going to continue until they were done with it. Right. And then but of course, then the, the you know, the nation would rediscover Alec Baldwin and and then the whole thing, you know, Tina Fey b- b- became a breakout star at that point. And boom, there you go. The, the 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 parallel with Discovery and the Orville is that you kind of have Star Trek Discovery is the Studio 60 of this this a- analogy, whereas the Orville is the 30 Rock. And one is much more lighthearted than the other. Uh, one doesn't take itself as seriously as the other. And both of them are kind of still trying to find themselves at least within the first few episodes but i will say this about um the two because i see this on social media all the time i've i've heard some folks declaring on social media that the orville is more star trek than discovery is and that's interesting um you know since since one actually has the the name in the title Well, I mean, I guess they're saying thematically, and yeah. I'll give I'll I'll give the Orville this. I know there was the, the the most recent episode that I saw, which it really did tackle some of those issues that classic Trek would do. I mean, and in this one, it was essentially it tackled uh, feminism and uh, and being transgender, and 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 considering that it was written by um, 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 blah, 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 blah. Seth MacFarlane. Seth McFarlane, yeah, I keep I keep wanting to call him Todd McFarlane. Tom, yeah, Todd McFarlane, yeah, is a guy. comic book creator. Yeah. yeah, completely different McFarlane. But Seth McFarlane wrote that a particular episode, and I was really astounded at you know the the sensitivity of it, and you know for a guy who who has written some of you know, who's been involved with some of the most offensive stuff ever in Family Guy. I can't yeah. I can't watch Family. Hey, look, guy these anymore. Nazis have a McCain Palin button on. You know that <laughs> that guy. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, the rape jokes. Right. I I can't I can't handle it. Right. I just can't watch that show anymore. But it's the same guy. And you're like, okay, this is incredibly sensitive. And and this it feels more like classic Trek. Um, But I'm there going. Yeah. The Orville feels like a show that happened during the next generation, you know, and and it because. The sets are the same, you know. the 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 set design's all the same. It, the, even the way this show is shot, it feels the same. And, and, um, it, and it's not a it's not a parody of Star Trek the way Galaxy Quest is. It's literally, you know, it's Seth MacFarlane doing a sci fi show. Yeah, doing you know? with with a little bit of uh, juvenile humor in there from time to time. Right. And then. Um, and so you're there going, oh, and that's why I know so many people are going, oh, I love the Orville because it feels more like Star Trek than than Discovery. And Discovery, you know, isn't anything about the the optimism of Starfleet. And it isn't, a, you know, this isn't the Star Trek I know. And that and it doesn't work and blah, blah, blah. And I'm there going, guys, 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 name a single 
iteration of Star Trek that people accepted the moment it started airing. I want to tell you something. Even when The Next Generation started, I remember I saw the very first episode of Star Trek The Next Generation when, the day it aired. Mm-hmm. And I remember the reviews and I remember how people reacted to it because, I mean, when you watch it, it's really not a great episode. Well, there's a there's yeah. a great documentary. Uh, it's actually on Netflix called Chaos on the Bridge. And uh, I believe uh, Shatner actually did it. Uh, but it's it's all about uh, the development in the first season of, of Star Trek. And it, and it talks about, you know, it, it talks about all the, you know, behind the scenes drama and then. Once they foisted upon the world, how it kind of landed with a thud at the very beginning. Right. So you look at that. You look at Star Trek. You look at Star Trek The Next Generation. You look at Deep Space Nine. Oh, my goodness. I remember how much people just did not like Deep Space Nine because it was too different from Star Trek. He goes, where, where is the voyaging? Where is the exploration? They're on a, they're on a space station. It's Babylon 5, you know? And then after that came, uh, and then to, to answer that came Voyager, and then people yeah. were like, "Well, why would I? I the Voyager? There, there, none of the none of the villains. You know, there are no Klingons. There's no Borg." There's well, and that like, was that was kind of the point because you know they felt felt like they had uh, pretty much explored the you know the Klingons and and everything, and so they sent them to the other side of the galaxy because then everything could be new, brand new, right? So every time that occurred, I remember people just saying, this isn't Star Trek. This isn't the Star Trek I know. This isn't the Star Trek I expected. And I'm like, guys, 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 we say that every time. And what is Star Trek about if not exploring the human condition? I mean, it's not just about, you know, creating crazy new aliens and and coming up with some sort of new, you know, techno babble to explain some technology, you know, some projected hard science technology of the future. Although that is one thing that they've done already. But but they have done that. That is correct. And it's like, come on, you know, it's about exploring how people are. And yeah, they're dialing it back a little bit. We have, you know, it's Starfleet before we've gotten to that point where, yeah, Earth is a utopia or the maybe maybe Earth is a utopia, but the United Federation of Planets certainly is not. So we have to get there. And so I'm there going, all right, so far, I mean, I know I'm not, I, I really wish um, Brian Fuller had stayed on and I can, there are certain echoes, I can feel his, you know, there are certain touches here and there that he's that he's put in, and oh, I definitely get the Nicholas Meyer um, um, sense. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff that goes on in there. They go, oh yeah, that's Nicholas Meyer's touch there and there and there. Uh, but I'm like, guys, it it does kind of feel like Star Trek to me, but it feels like a newer take on Star Trek, a fresher take, and it's something that you kind of need. I mean, if you want to revisit. The old Trek, it's all on Netflix there for you. And yeah, and um, Seth MacFarlane's doing that too. Well, and, and one thing that I wanted to touch on with, uh, with, with Discovery, at least so far, uh, I do think they made a mistake in putting it 10 years before the original series because like, they're introducing like, new technology and like, you know, in, instead of like, people showing up in a view screen, you know, when, when you're, when you're talking to them, there's actually like holographic versions of the people, 
uh, you know, stuff that was wasn't even close to existing in the original series. And I think that uh, the the way that this story is right now, they could easily put it, you know, ten years after the next generation, and it would have fit perfectly. And, and I That's really don't, I really don't understand. You know, like maybe instead of going to war with the Klingons, they go to war with some some new species, or maybe their their peace with the Klingons ends up falling apart, and they do to go go to war with the Klingons. But you know, they, they've just done so much to introduce new technology like the like the spore drive even if they can't quite get it to work the way that they uh they want it to and ultimately it's not going to work you know they uh they introduced something that we had never heard of that's actually you know like really cool technology that that starfleet would like still be pursuing oh definitely and i mean maybe at some point they're going to come up a way with a way of reconciling it um, you know, show that, okay, we can't do this anymore because of whatever reason I, in my own, well, they've mind, already introduced, I, uh, you know, not, not to spoil anything, but they've already introduced why, you know, you, you could see they're laying the groundwork for why it wouldn't work. Yes, exactly. That, well, the spore drive, especially. Yeah. Um, and, but you're right. That whole thing about like the, the holograms, you know, the, the, the communication forms, you know, to me, in my own head, because I'm a nerd and I'm a continuity, it, it, my continuity thing kind of just kicks in where I'm like, well, if this is 10 years before Star Trek, I'm already putting it in the J.J. Abrams universe where really Discovery fits better. You know, it just fits better there. It doesn't fit so much in the Roddenberry version. Yeah, and, and they, they haven't done anything yet um, that would... You know, unless George Kirk shows up, they haven't done anything that would, uh, you know, that would really place it in one or the other. Like it, it could right. very easily be, be either universe, and and that may be where they, where they decide to stay. That you know, I, I you know that that it could be either universe, and you just you just pick pick the universe you want it to be, in, and that's it. Or you know, again, you know, that you can end your the the discovery. At the very end, you could end it with them meeting the the Kirk crew, and then you see kind of how the Enterprise is, or at least how it's interpreted um, on um, uh, via Discovery. I, it, it's it's back to the issue of technology. I mean, we we have to be honest. I mean, there there were a lot of technical limitations in um, the the classic Trek series, so they couldn't. There are certain things they just couldn't show. You could easily, with a with a few uh, tweaks here and there, force Gump in, you know, some holographic effects in a classic episode of Trek, and and some other things, and boom, make it fit within, you know, the context of everything. Um, so you, I guess, you kind of got to tell yourself, if this is a show, if this is Star Trek takes place, you know, hundreds of years in the future, it would only make sense that they have holograms to communicate with because that's what we've got now you know right so. and uh <laughs> you know uh the same way uh i i think did we, we maybe we talked about this a little bit last week where you know they're they're introducing a a gay couple on on discovery and the thing is that's barely an issue now so you know the the one thing that i think would be a mistake is if they really make a big deal out of it because it, you know like I said, it's it's barely an issue now. So three hundred years from now, nobody's going to care at all. 
nobody's going to care. I mean, if anything, now what would be a thing you could handle more? And it's, again, something that they did address on the Orville is is talking about uh, relationships between people who are transgender or gender fluid or even asexual. You know, yeah. that, 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 even that, I think 300 years from now, that, that wouldn't won't be, be an, it yeah. shouldn't be an issue. But so here's a problem. Every time I think we're going to get, get beyond a certain level of, of these hangups that we have as human, as human beings, you know, just like, just like when you think we made it past the fifties, someone wants to drag us right back to them again. You know, <laughs> you see human nature tends to go in a cycle. and We tend to repeat the same mistakes and, and revive the same prejudices time and time and time again for some reason. So, you know, yeah. I, I, back Going back to the issue of, of, of discovery, even outside of the whole, um, the, the special effects uh, and, the, you know, the continuity of that, um, it's just, again, the, the way it's exploring the characters and it's exploring um, uh, just the, the themes that Star Trek is expected to to address, and and it's like you look at, I I, I read I want to say this was I read this on Vox or I forgot what site, and I have this horrible habit of reading and citing articles and forgetting who the authors are, so I can credit them. <laughs> <laughs> so, but again, this is not my idea. I am not claiming um, I am not claiming this as my idea or this take, but it's just it's just. Star Trek Discovery right now is maybe not the Star Trek that we want, but the one that we need because it, it is exploring themes that we are experiencing right now. You know, it's this whole uh, this whole bit where it's like we we think that again, we think that we're going to break through into something new and make new advances. And there's there are things, these ideas and ideologies that we thought we had left behind but now they're re-emerging, and they're and they're affecting our society, and they're making us have to stop and fight. When in reality, we wish we could just explore and learn new things and embrace new ideas. But you know, they're, they're, it's just we're not being allowed to do that. But why? Because probably because we took things for granted. Because we took we got complacent. You know, we started thinking that's the way things will always be. And then we're finding out now that there is from time to time something below the surface that we're ignoring and that by not addressing it, boom, it comes up and it pretty much halts our advancement as a species. So, um, I, you know, th that take was to me going, wow, see, that's discovery right now. That's the way it is. And especially the last two episodes of Discovery when they explored the whole bit about the spore drive and the, the, the character who created um, or who discovered it. You know, you know, I'll say his character could have easily been annoying and I could have easily dismissed him and said, you know, what? I, I don't like this guy. I don't like this character. He's a stereotypical, you know, nerd who only cares about, the, you know, about, you know, uh, making the next big breakthrough and getting his name yeah. in all the papers. And, and people right? are just annoying to him. Yeah, and people are just annoying to him. But then you see, actually, he, no, it was, he really, he, he was a brilliant, he's a brilliant person who now resents the fact that, yeah, that he can't 
share this with humanity that he can't bring this that this new thing that he wants to do that uh, that he wants to be able to use to enlighten the human race now is being used for what for war another nicholas meyer <laughs> theme because that's the same that's the same theme that they brought up in the wrath of khan right yeah, oh, and, that's a, and, and that's something that that hasn't been explored much in, in Star Trek because of the fact that, you know, it's generally been a you know sort of a, a, a smiling utopia, and, and so you you don't run into conflicts like that, like somebody's uh, you know somebody's great invention, you know, suddenly being used uh, used for war, and you know it, it's it's interesting to know that you know in this universe that that even happened in Starfleet and eventually they got over it and, and, you know, became what we saw later on. And, and I think there, there's value to seeing that, you know, seeing that actually seeing a world before that, that really happened. Whereas, I mean, as far as with um, the, the Orville, I, I don't know where that whole show is. I mean, I guess, you know, for, for what it is, it's it's a good it's a nice kind of like um, I guess you a, a clone or a, a counterfeit of classic Trek or yeah it, or it seems to be more of a um, more almost monster of the week sort of thing yeah I mean I I was getting a sense that they were kind of, is trying to do kind of an overall arc but making the um, the 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 themes you know it's a theme of the week like you said monster of the week theme of the week but certain things keep repeating themselves and this whole bit see okay here's why i can't take the orville all that seriously one he keeps writing the whole bit about his wife being his second in command and the fact that she cheated on him all right i mean to me i was kind of annoyed that 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 was really such a cliche why couldn't it be the other way around why couldn't it been that he cheated on her, you know, kind of like freshen it up a bit. Fine. If, but if you got to bring, you know, uh, you know, mar- that kind of marital strife into a, into a bit, fine, whatever. <sighs> I can't christen something as the new Star Trek or I accept this as a new Star Trek when you've got Norm McDonald voicing a green blob making penis jokes. Although, <laughs> although, really, if you're going to have Norm Macdonald play an alien, it's got to be just a blob. Oh. <laughs> like that—that's the perfect character for Norm Macdonald to play. Now, now Why? you may you may disagree with the, with the the use of said character, but it it seems like just a, a blob is just perfect for for Norm Macdonald. It makes no sense to me. It makes no sense to me why a gelatinous blob would have any interest in a human being, especially for the purposes of having sex. I mean, uh, uh, what I would not disagree with that, but I, I still maintain that, uh, you know, the, the idea of Norm Macdonald just playing a blob that that amuses me. Well, that's all he ever did on Weekend Update. The preceding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Gabatron?